Hey guys, I'm really excited to announce we are going to be doing a giveaway. What this is going to be is a two-man, two-day guided waterfowl hunt on November 18th and 19th in Northeast Kansas with Steady Wing Outfitters. In order to be signed up for the drawing, there's four things I need you to do. You need to go on to Instagram and follow the Steady Wing Outfitters Instagram page. You have to follow the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. In that Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page, I'm going to be making a post about the giveaway. In that post, I need you to tag three friends in it, and then you have to subscribe to the podcast. Once you've done all four of those things, follow the two Instagram pages, subscribe to the podcast, and tag your three friends. I need you to screenshot all four of those things and send them in a message to me on the Wicked Hunting Report Instagram page. Once you've done that, I'll enter you into the drawing. Uh, the drawing will go until the last day of February. Then on March 1st, I will draw the winner. And then on March 2nd, in that episode, I will announce who the winner is. So good luck. Tell your friends. Get as many people as you can signed up. The more people you have signed up, the better options you have that one of your buddies is going to win it and invite you along. Good luck. Before we get started, I want to tell you about our sponsors. Uh, first, we have DuckSeason.com. That's D-U-K-S-Z-N.com. Uh, go on there and check it out. You can trade hunts with people from across the country. Uh, there's a good duck hunting forum on there. You can buy some merchandise. Uh, there's also the Salty Fowl line of clothing on there where 100% of the profits go to the conservation of eiders. Next, we have Steady Wing Outfitters. It's located in northeast Kansas, and they're guiding for waterfowl, turkey, and deer. Uh, follow them on Instagram and Facebook, and if you want to book a hunt, you can call Mikey Soberano. His number is 785-410-2304. Next, we have 701 Pursuit. That's Caleb and the guys making hunting and fishing videos on YouTube. Uh, you can check them out there, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those places. They also have a website. It is the numbers 701pursuit.com. Go on there and buy some clothes, hat shirts, stuff like that. Now we've got Waylon Johnson and his guide service, uh, hunting ducks and geese down in the San Antonio, Texas area. Uh, you can find him on Facebook. It's Waylon Johnson on there. Or you can give him a call. His number is 361 Four nine four seven eight six eight. Lastly, we have Highline Retrievers uh, dog training up in Northeast Montana. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. It's H I L I N E Retrievers. You can also uh, give me a call. My number is four zero six seven eight three seven zero eight three. If you have any questions on training, need any advice, any help, or if you want to set up some training in the future for your four-legged friend. Uh, thanks a lot, and enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the Wicked Hunting Report. Uh, this is Garrett. Today, I'm here with Teresa Diggins. Teresa, why don't you introduce yourself? Garrett, I'm happy to be here with you. Um, my name is Teresa Diggins. Um, grew up in northern Wisconsin, and I live in Billings, Montana now. Uh, pretty much hunt... I don't know, September through January, sometimes later in the coyote season. Um, <clears throat> grew up hunting my entire life. Uh, my dad is a hunting guide 
in northern Wisconsin, we have a big lodge, um, mainly guides for rough grouse, woodcock, deer, bear, um, some turkey, some waterfall. But I kind of grew up into that world my whole life and just has carried through. Um, so, yeah, it's what I love. It's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that and photography. Big into that. Yes. And photography. I'm a huge photographer. Um, I do. I've been filming a bunch of hunts lately um, and then also photographing them as well. Um, I also shoot weddings, um, family, seniors, a lot of equine, so people and their horses, but anything outdoors in the mountains, um, hunting horses, that kind of stuff is more my jam. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. So did you say when you moved out here to God's country or? Um, so I went to college in Minnesota for four years, majored in equine science and egg business, and then moved out to Montana, followed some guy. And then I lived up on the high line near you up in good old Scobie, Montana. For I don't know how many years, and then eventually five five years ago, I think I moved, made the move down to Billings, a little closer to the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it is nicer. I hate I hate the town, but um, is oh. what it is. Billings kind of turned south here the past couple of years, so. Yeah. So when you made the move, I guess you probably come up and visited before, but were you expecting mountains when you figured you're moving to Montana or when you hit the highlight? No. Was it a shock? Nope. Um, it like I knew Western Montana was more mountainous than Eastern Montana. Um, obviously Eastern Montana is more agricultural and that's kind of what we did. I worked up on a farm and ranch in Scobie for I don't know how many years, but, um, yeah, it's, it's got its own beauty, but it's a long ways for the mountains. Long yeah. way to go elk hunting. Growing up, my dad would come out to Montana and hunt sage grouse. Um, that was back in the nineties, I think late nineties. And so he'd always talk about all the sagebrush flats and everything like that. So I kind of knew. Obviously, it's not mountainous where he went um, years ago, back, I think, in the 70s, 80s, he would go, like, hunt elk around Livingston area, so more central Montana and then western. So I knew Montana was pretty diverse state, so and I just love the mountains. I don't know. Something's always drawn me to Montana. Yeah. One day, once my kids hit the lottery and can afford to buy me a cabin up in the mountains, that's where I'll be. So. Yeah, right. That'd be nice. <laughs> so what all do you hunt? What do you like to chase around? Um, I love to hunt elk archery season. Um, something about getting between a screaming bull and God, it's just when you hear them screaming and it just gets in your blood like. You just can't get it out. It's like you're hooked for life. 
and just the challenge of bow hunting and um, everything like that in early fall. And so early fall, usually archery hunting, uh, mainly for elk. Um, and then so elk. And then I like to hunt, obviously, muleys, whitetail, um, turkey. I love turkey hunting. <laughs> um, and then pretty much after that, my boyfriend Chad is a huge coyote hunter and he will do anything if he sees a coyote like to go after it, it turns into a coyote hunt. Um, so we hunt a lot of coyotes after rifle season. Um, this year we actually was the second, second year that Montana's done the, um, muzzleloader season and, we decided since our archery season sucked this year and rifle season sucked that we're going to go shoot elk with the muzzleloader. So that was a lot of fun and I can't wait to do it next year. That is if we don't fill our tags and um, archery season. But so did you, did you guys get any with the muzzleloaders? Um, Chad got a bull with the muzzleloader and then I never had another opportunity at a bull. Um, and then we couldn't like that second herd of cows, like the second day, we couldn't get close enough within muzzleloader range. So we just ended up using our race, regular rifles just to fill our tags. So was it a shoulder season over there then too? Yep. Yep. Okay. Shoulder season. And that goes to like middle of February, um, depending on the unit that you have. Um, but yeah, most of the shoulder seasons either end of january middle of february they go to so that muzzleloader season i mean there's people that list in like over in illinois places like that where muzzleloader they think of like the inline muzzleloader our muzzleloader season that we just got is a traditional one so like what what kind of muzzleloaders can you use is it just flintlock or can they be you can use um flintlock it has to be um solid ball um is it smooth bore or, or can they be rifled i think it's smooth okay yeah because i looked into it just slightly but i knew i wouldn't get time to do it so i didn't look too close i could look real quick and see what they are no only traditional single or double barrel muzzle loaders with iron sights a minimum of 45 caliber and traditional designs such as flintlock percussion cap or matchlock are allowed Muzzle, modern muzzleloaders with scopes are prohibited. Hunter orange will be required. So it's got to be 45 or 50 cal, and then footlock, um, matchlock, or percussion cap. Which I know, I know of a couple people that went out and tried it, and they were all doing percussion cap, just so that way you don't have to worry about about the whole moisture deal in the snow. Yeah. So were your guys's? Did you guys do flintlock or was it percussion cap? It was. Not flintlock, percussion had to be percussion. Okay. Yeah, that's because what, the caps on. Yeah, yeah. Everyone that I know that went and did it kind of went that way. I would like to do it with flintlock just because I think it looks cool. But then you're dealing with a whole, whole other game about keeping it dry, and then, I mean, between pulling the trigger and that ball leaving the barrel, there's quite a quite a time delay there. 
Yeah, but even even like our percussion caps, like there were a couple of times we were in some really deep snow and you put the gun down and you get snow um, where your cap goes. And sometimes you get a little too much moisture. So then your gunpowder in there, um, it. It won't fire. Yep. Because there's a little moisture. So. Like what we did, we would just add a little, take the nipple off and put a little um, powder in there extra to make it go off. Okay. So did you start out over there in Wisconsin? Did you guys, for deer, do mostly archery or was it shotgun or rifle area? Um, the area we lived in was rifle. Um so I mainly hunted rifle. I did. I never hunted um, archery growing up, even though like we would shoot our shoot bows and stuff. Um, the long bow anyways. Never had a compound bow. <laughs> I do now. But my brothers, they all grew up shooting just long bow. And that's what they still hunt with. Um, but. That was just for fun growing up, and then I mainly just hunted rifle. Um, we weren't in a very populated area where we needed to shoot shotgun. So. Okay. So once you got to Montana, is that when you started picking up archery? Yeah. Like to actually hunt with. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think I've been hunting archery for six or seven years now like i've been wanting to do it longer but it's just timing's been wrong or i haven't had time to go or just things come up and just like screw it i'm finally i'm just gonna go do this and you know start learning it because it's a longer season (laughs) you know you get more days to hunt so um yeah i picked that up started with elk um still have with elk and that's a lot of people's bucket list with the bow i know yep <laughs> one of these days i've i've had so many close calls that it's just but just hasn't happened yet nope so i'm gonna ask a question i don't know if it'll apply to you but i know it's a lot more common in women where they're will be right hand dominant and then left eye dominant was that you at all? Not that I know of. Okay. Always shot right-handed. Okay. Because my sister is that way. My dad pretty much. Oh, really? Put a, put a tape over. She, he had a pair of old glasses. Put duct tape over the left eye to make her shoot right eye. I don't know why. She just had her go left-handed. But anyway, so I was going to see how that, if you were that case, how that worked out archery-wise. If you would just nope. have to start with left-handed, but I guess you wouldn't know, so that one doesn't like quite Chad, apply. Chad is left-eye dominant, but shoots right-handed, okay. and still with the bow is still right-handed. Uh, huh. okay. Uses right eye anyways. Okay. So, I guess, where all have you hunted? Have you mostly been just Wisconsin and Montana, or do you get across the country at all? Uh, yeah, we, I've hunted Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Colorado, 
Wyoming, Montana, obviously. Um, we went down to New Mexico to hunt elk, but I didn't have a tag, so technically didn't hunt there. What's your uh, favorite place to go, or do you just like staying home? Um, I do like hunting in our hot spots here in Montana a lot, but Colorado has been, I've gone the last two years, and it's like, when are we going back? When are we going back? <laughs> Is that for elk and mule deer, or what do you guys focus on there? Um, elk and mule deer. So I drew a muley tag. So in Colorado, you have to draw any any deer tag is a draw. Um, it's not over the counter. So two years ago, um, Chad and I drew mule deer tags for a certain unit, and then two of my brothers drew mule deer tags for another coveted unit. Um, and so we all went down there and hunted. We kind of semi-split up. Um, but the unit that my brothers had for their deer was an over-the-counter elk tag. So Chad got an elk tag, um, and I wasn't going to get one until I knew for sure that we're – I mainly just wanted to get my deer out of the way before I went and bought an elk tag. Um, but we all went down. We all harvested deer, and Chad got his elk. Um, but that was that was fun. And then this l- last year, this fall, um, we got drew muzzleloader tags for muleys. And the unit that we were in was also an over-the-counter elk tag. And over-the-counter bear tag, which we saw so many bears, black bears, that we all would have filled our tags. <laughs> Should have got them. I know. It's like, what the hell? But we were so far in, and it's just like, it's going to take half a day to three-quarters of a day just to get out of there and get to town and make it back in, and we didn't want to waste a day. <laughs> but... We know now for the next time we draw that unit that we're getting bear tags and elk tags. <laughs> so uh, do you guys apply in a bunch of different spots? Like, do you guys have a bunch of lotteries you just throw in every year? Or do you guys, like, I mean, key on on certain states? Um, Depending how, so we always put in for points each year. And then, like, Colorado, we knew I was getting... I, we were all getting so many points enough to hopefully draw these tags. So then we apply for the tag. Um, but certain states, like I've just been accumulating tags. Like Wyoming, I have, I don't know. I have a lot of points. And right now, this spring, I think I'll put in for a, antelope tag <clears throat> for the a certain unit because it takes i don't know six seven years to draw this unit and with their regulations kind of changing or their draw odds are going to really change drastically i think next year 
um, and going into the next two years that I'm probably just going to burn my points on this one unit that my brothers drew last year and hopefully draw antelope tag for that and then go down and hunt before it gets, I don't know. Wyoming's been talking about their prices, tag prices going up for non-residents. And then they also are, I think, talking about dropping their total tags that they're giving out to non-residents. Um, they already did that, I think, with moose, sheep, and goats. They were at, like, is it 30% or something like that, and they dropped it down mm-hmm. to 10%. So, oh. you know, Wyoming Fish and Game have to make up that money somewhere, so they're increasing their other tags for non-residents. <laughs> so those bonus points, you said you are going to burn them. If you don't dry your antelope, will you get your bonus points back, or is it one and done on them no no i'll i'll still have them um if i don't draw because if i don't draw obviously i'll put in for the point um just like here in montana um but i figured um, so i just wanted to make sure yep yep so where like you said you're applying you're gonna try to do the antelope what would be your bucket list one like, what animal and where do you want to go after it? And I'm assuming with bow, but if you had another weapon you'd bring. Um, like my bucket list hunt? Yeah. Like, mm. like, I would like to get a caribou in Alaska one of these years. Chad was lucky SOB that... <laughs> I saw the pictures. Caribou tag this last fall. It was a 0.01% chance maybe of drawing it. And the first time he put in, he drew it. Jesus. Got a hell of a caribou. It's like, this unit's like the last unit where they have like 400 inch bulls. And lucky little shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I would love to shoot a caribou, and honestly, I don't care if it's with a rifle or a bow. bow would be awesome, but um, it's not the end of the world if I don't get one with a bow, as long as I get one. Um, but when we were in Colorado hunting those high country muleys in velvet and, like, 200-inch muleys, like, that's... That's something totally different than what we got here in Montana yeah, <laughs> or that sure. I've seen. And it's just like, oh, my God, I'm kind of addicted to, to these monster muleys in velvet. So, I don't know, going back there or if we if I draw a mule deer tag in Wyoming in one of the bigger, you know, better units. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. Do you guys do much shed hunting, like, on purpose, or do you guys just kind of pick them up as you see them? Uh, we go out quite a bit in the spring. Each <clears throat> spring is different depending on weather and um, what we have going on. But, we, yeah, we like to go out. Chad is huge into going out. But um, if, I'm, if I can get off work or if, um, you know, got weekends open, 
try to go during the week when our hot spots don't get hit. <laughs> yeah. See, that's kind of the nice thing over here in Scobie is, or, well, I'm not in Scobie, but in this area is, I mean, most people don't go out of their way to do it. It's not like yeah, you're down no, like in no Jackson, Hawaii, Wyoming, <laughs> where they have to make a season for it. It's just most people, if they see one, they'll pick it up. So. I know, it's ridiculous. Um, yes. Yeah, especially with prices now, the uh, Colt, Colt Furs, the fur buyer, he was texting me last week. And he was saying that they're really strong. And if I got any, let him know. And he'd be around yeah. that and jackrabbits. But, yeah, I guess they're they're really hot right now. The antlers are. So. I never sell mine. I keep them. <laughs> you keep them? I sell I keep, them. I mean, I, if, if it. Yeah, go ahead. I, like, keep all of them. And then, like, downstairs, we have them all hung up on the wall. All the, like, really nice uh, elk sheds and then deer ones I keep. I don't know. I just have them around the house and everything. <laughs> if they're a, if they're a special one, I'll hold on to them. Like if they're like a cool, non-typical or really big one or like really dark, I'll keep it. But I mean, I've picked up so many antlers throughout the years that the little ones really don't. They're not that special anymore. Now, if I was finding elk antlers, I don't know if I could bring myself to sell them. But that's just because I'm not in elk country like you guys yeah. are. If they're here, they're special. Like I found. Or this spring when I was on a service call, it was right when the snow was melting and I was driving my service truck to a uh, farmer's place. And as I was going along a plowed field, right in a little piece that was melted, I saw two tines sticking up out of the dirt. And I was like, oh, cool, there's a mule deer shed. So I ran out there and picked it up and it was a little four corn elk antler sitting up there. And it wasn't just the antlers, half of his skull cap, too. So he must have made it through the uh, winter and a coyote drug it up or something, but... I mean, that's the only one I've ever found, so. I, honestly, I suck at finding elk sheds. I will find more deer sheds than elk sheds. Um, I don't know. I grew up finding deer sheds my whole life, and then I move out here, and it's like, oh. So I maybe find one elk shed a year if I'm <laughs> lucky. <laughs> maybe that's why you hold on to them. Probably. Don't <laughs> I don't have many. many. I mean, Chad's got like a million of them. I guess we... We just save them in case we need, a, like, a rainy day fund or something. <laughs> I don't know. Or you can just start cutting them in half and selling them as dog chews. I've seen how much those go for in shields, and it's absolutely I ridiculous. ridiculous. But I don't, think I, could cut, I don't think I could cut them up. I couldn't either. I mean, I saw a video on, I can't remember I saw it, but, I mean, this guy had a moose paddle, great big moose paddle, and he just had it on a bandsaw and was just chopping it into pieces. And I was like, oh, I would kill to find that. Nope. And someone's just I'd cutting be- it up. I would be cringing, like, mm, that just, mm I can't do it. Yeah. But I'm not the one doing it, I guess, when I sell them, but. Yeah. So, do you have any uh, cool hunts or cool adventures you've been on? Like, anything really memorable? Oh, man. So many trips are memorable. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a funny one from this year. Uh, Chad and I drew... <sighs> We got lucky. We drew um, these whitetail deer tags for South Dakota in the Black Hills. And for non-residents, they only give out um, 200 tags for this unit, which isn't a lot for the area. And I put it in for shits and giggles because I'm like, oh, point season or 
point season was coming around and it like they were due and my brother's like, you gotta get your points in, gotta get them in, yada, yada. And he's, him and my, my two brothers were pretty sure they were going to draw this tag. Cause normally, I don't know. It changes every year with more people putting, applying, but, um, they had, I don't know how many points stacked up and they're like, yeah, we're pretty much guaranteed. We're going to get this tag. And I think I had one or two. I don't remember. It wasn't enough. It wasn't many. Nowhere near to draw this tag, which just goes to show the luck of the lottery. And I draw this tag, and my brothers didn't, and they're pissed at me. I'm like, well, I guess there we go. <laughs> November comes around because their whitetail season there, or rifle season, is for this tag was the whole month of November. And we were supposed to go earlier, but we had some issues here that we had to deal with. And then we finally ended up making it out there, took the wall tent, um, and all our other stuff with it. And I normally bring the the wood stove. And Chad's like, you don't need to bring the wood stove. He got this new heater. It's like a diesel heater. That hooks up to like a car battery. Yeah, that's all the rage yeah. in ice fishing right now. So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we used it this. We use it in rifle season in our um, teepee tent, our little seek outdoor outside tent, and it worked great. Granted, the weather was way warmer than what we dealt with in South Dakota, and. We get there, set everything up, set the wall tent up, because we're going to be there, I don't know, four or five days. And there's snow on the ground and more snow in the forecast. And literally, it snowed every single day. Um, I think when we were there, we got, I don't know, a foot of snow dumped on us or so. And first night was kind of chilly because the heater wasn't, like, pumping enough heat for the tent. And it's 15 degrees out. And whatever, I just, I'm like, as long as I'm in my sleeping bag, I'm fine. You know, I can sleep in the cold, but it's getting up and then cooking breakfast and all that and dinner and still wasn't working great. I'm like, shit, I should have totally brought my wood stove, kicking myself in the butt for it. And we hunt, he tags out. Still, I haven't found anything that I like to shoot. And, like, we were rattling and I never, we never rattled in so many whitetails. Like, it was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously about got run over the one, the one morning. Was it morning or evening? Evening set. We go to sit by these trees and Chad sits behind me to rattle. And I'm sitting by this tree that had uprooted. And since there's so much snow, I can't really sit like sit on the ground. So I kind of so- sat on um, the roots of the tree. So I'm blocking one side of me, but I could see all the way around me. And Chad's rattling. Not even four minutes in, he's like, to your left, to your left, to your left. These two bucks come hauling ass up over the ridge. And we're in timber. It's thick. And they're coming. He's like to your left. And I'm turning like literally I had to turn all the way around to see him. And I about get run over. 
Like, if I wanted to move, they would have run me over. And I, like, tried to get my gun up, and there's so many trees. Like, crap, I can't shoot. I can't shoot. I tried to shoot once and totally missed. I don't even know where my, like, obviously I hit the tree, but, (laughs) oh, my God, it happened so fast. I mean, all within 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it was half of a shit show. Half I was laughing because they were. I almost got ran over. <laughs> Should have had the knife out and ready to go. I know. If I would have had a knife or a spear, good Lord. Um, but anyways, that was so fun. Rattling in those white tails. And that's that's a whole different adrenaline rush. Um, but anyways, back to my story. The heater never worked. And we froze our butts off. Everything started freezing in the tent. And then I had, I did bring my buddy heater um, just in case as a backup. And we um, had that going. So, like, things were melting in the tent or thawing out. And then, like, the snow, because snow kept coming down. Well, like, one side of the tent, like, the flap, snow must have got under it or something. And so the heat from inside was melting it. So, creating, like, puddles all everywhere. So trying to mop those up and then obviously I ran out of stuff to clean it up with that it would just freeze by the time you went to bed. So you got like icy floors and I don't know, it was just half a shit show. But I ended up getting a really nice white tail, like chocolate rack, just beautiful buck. And we packed up that night and came home and we had to set up. Thank God we have a big heated shop here but to set that tent up because it had literally like i don't know half inch of ice on it everywhere so (laughs) it was next time i will know never forget the wood stove never ever ever yeah one of my like one of those little one of those little packable wood stoves right that just like pull out the wing nuts and fold it down or do you have an actual big wood stove no big wood stove for your wall tent even if we brought our little our little portable wood stove that goes in our seat tent, our little TV tent, yeah, packable one, that would have that would have been better than nothing. Yeah, so would have just been like feeding it every twenty minutes because you can't put much wood in them. Well, but at least they I mean, heat up. You're in the Black Hills, so you're not gonna run out of wood anytime soon. No, no there's plenty of trees there. <laughs> Did you guys bring horses down to pack all that in, or did you go four-wheelers or put it all on your back? No. When we were in the Black Hills? Yeah. Uh, no, we just camped along the road, found a spot oh. on the road, next to the road, and camped, and then we just found hiking trails and hiked in here, hiked in there. Not really trails, just I think some of them were old logging roads and... um whatever just yeah did you, did you enjoy it up in there well yeah it was a lot of fun um not as i think more people road hunt there than anything they don't get out and hike <laughs> yeah from what we've seen um but that's normally what we do we don't really drive around we just kind of let's go here scout this hike in a couple miles, whatever. Um, so that's when you find more deer. <laughs> yeah. 
So I grew up kind of over by there. We lived east of there about an hour or so. We were over in Phillip. So like oh, my dad, yeah. he he grew or he drew an elk tag in there because obviously we residents at the time, so he could draw a tag. And that would have been when I was I was third or second grade. But anyways, I remember that that I went with him and we would go in and we hiked hiked in like we did miles i mean it seemed a lot longer because i was a little kid mm-hmm. but we would hike up in there and we would sit up on ridges and then all day wherever there was like a road or whatever forest road you would just see pickups all day going back and forth up and down that yeah. thing and they were slow rolling so you could tell that they were they were hunters a lot of times they had orange on and they would we would be sitting here and you could see like a herd of cows or something over across on the next hill and so, like, the road's between us, and people would be slow rolling, looking out the windows. They don't even notice the animals that are mm-hmm. sitting right across from them. But I mean, yeah. that shows if you actually put in the miles and sit down and look what you can actually find. Yeah, we actually ran into quite a few elks there, which I was surprised. But There's good herds in there. can't get an elk tag in South Dakota. Yeah, that's... I would like to draw for there just because, like, the nostalgia of it, because that's the only time I've actually been real actual elk hunting was that trip yeah. when my dad drew that tag, and it would be it'd be fun to get back up in there and explore that stuff. But I also went turkey hunting with my grandpa up in there too. He drew a turkey tag in there when I was a kid. Yeah. That was that was a lot of us just running around chasing turkeys because we didn't know what we were doing. Like we were just literally running, sprinting as fast as you know a little kid and a 60 year old man could up and down the hills running over yeah. logs and stuff, but there's a lot yeah. of turkeys in there. If I remember right. Yeah. When I was a kid. But. Yep. So let's roll in to your guys' predator hunting. You said that Chad's big into it. Are you big into it too? Or is that something that you did growing up or is that another new thing once you moved out here? Well, it's always been a part of my life. Um, growing up, we used to trap a lot. So all my brothers trapped and I kind of learned to trap with them. And then I'd always go check traps with them and all that. So it's always been a part of my life. Uh, coyote hunting in Wisconsin is not the same. Like you might do like seven to 10 sets, maybe, maybe call one coyote in. Yeah. There's not. Not as many. There's, I guess, there's more wolves in Wisconsin than there are coyotes. So that kind of well, takes care of. Them. I guess I don't at know least. where you were, but there's a lot more woods out there than plains here too. So. Oh yeah, I'm in northern Wisconsin. It's nothing but woods and swamps. So you might be calling them into 400 yards and not even realize it. Maybe. <laughs> if you can even hear the call. I get- <laughs> Yeah. So, anyways, but, like you guys do a lot of night hunting. You use thermals and stuff. Is that the majority of what you guys do, or do you do a lot of daytime sets? Well, a lot of it's mixed. Mostly more nighttime now that we have thermals, just because it's way easier. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. I mean, you have a bigger advantage over the coyotes than you do during the day. Um, but no, we have, um, our dust till dawn predator hunting page. Um, we have a YouTube channel. You check that out. Has all our videos on, which I film. 
um, and then put together. Obviously, the thermal ones are all recorded through the scopes. Um, and then, yeah, we haven't gotten out this year that much. Just we've, I don't know, coyote prices aren't worth anything. But we still still get a lot of calls from ranchers. And like here in the next month or so, we'll probably get quite a few more with calving season starting. Um, yeah. But no, a lot of ranchers call us and when they're having issues. And then um, so we go out and try to help reduce their population. And then <clears throat> Chad does a lot of coyote tournaments. Um, I think I've only done one or two with him. That's about it. I like tournaments are something different because you check in on a Friday night and you go hardcore till Sunday afternoon and it's long, long, long. And man, I just, I struggle because I'm not a nighttime person. I'm (laughs) like, I can hunt daytime, but nighttime is totally different. Well, especially when you're losing sleep, but I guess there have been some nights where, like, if the coyotes are hot and they're just coming in left and right, the next thing you know, it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. You're like, holy cow, it's already 3 a.m.? Um, but, no, it's it's a lot of fun. And shooting during <clears throat> thermals, you ha- it's something you have to get used to. It takes a little bit because it totally throws off your whole depth perception. Um, but you can still you can still see a lot at night with them. It's just it's it's hard to explain without actually having you look through a thermal if you haven't seen one before. But um, no, we um, we hunt a lot of dogs, kill a lot of dogs. I think the one year we had like two hundred. 227, 29 dogs we killed just in one season. Um, last year, I think, was 150. I don't know. It was over 100 some. This year, we're not that far. <laughs> but, again, prices are down. So Prices are down. We've been elk hunting. We've been, yeah, we've been gone and... Now it'll pick back up. He went out the other night and he already had a couple coyotes already starting to slip. So those you can't keep anyways. But they're already um, slipping. Yeah, this one ranch they went to is already start. Like I think they got four or five dogs and they were all slipping. I'm like holy crap already. Normally it's like mid in January. Yeah. Because I mean obviously they do go earlier but i mean it was usually like february when the fur buyer would come around is when he would really be pulling on them and checking yeah so <clears throat> yeah but you're up on the high line so your years last a little bit longer than ours true. Do down to <laughs> true but so do you guys go after like any raccoon or anything like that have you guys tried taking fox pros out for that yep um we so we don't use fox pro you don't? Chad would, like, Chad would piss on Fox Pro. <laughs> Are you guys mouth calls or do you guys like use Lucky Duck or something? Uh, Lucky Duck. Okay. 
Um, sometimes so. we use mask calls just depending on um, when it's 20 below and you're out calling and your batteries die. Yes, you return you return to the old school of mouth calls. <laughs> See, I'm a I've never I, I just say Fox Pro because that's what everyone knows. I mean, I, I yeah. suppose most people don't even know that Lucky Duck makes coyote calls. Most of them just know them for the duck decoys, but I've never had either of them. I just, I'm straight up mouth call. I enjoy it a lot more because it seems like you're part of it. I mean, anybody can go out there and throw a piece of plastic out there with a speaker on it and call them in. I like to know yep. that I'm the one that did it. And then I can, on the fly, adjust and see, you know, once coming in and starts hanging up, I can change tone or, And know, it's. And one like if I blow on a mouth call, it's gonna be different than how you do it. So yep. it that's well, that's why I grew up with mouth calls and um called in several dogs um up on the high line up by you with mouth call. And it's not like a recorded sound, so it's not just gonna keep going over and over. Granted, yep. we switch our sounds up constantly. Um, but it's it's different. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's the thing, too. There was there was a phase when I was in high school where everyone was on mouth calls, and then all of a sudden everybody in the Scobie area started buying Fox Pros, all the farmers, all the rancher kids. Mm-hmm. And so, it. I mean, the coyotes pretty quick picked up that anytime they hear the same exact jackrabbit sound down in this same area in the bottom, and it's just yeah. the same thing on repeat for 20 minutes, that... Like, they'll get yep. to, like, 800 yards and hang up and just sit there. And so, I, while those kids kind of struggled a little bit, I mean, none of them were big into it like I was, but I was still consistent. So, mm-hmm. not saying that I'm great or anything or I'm a master mouth caller, but I just I just know that what I was doing was still working, and it didn't take long for the coyotes to pick up yep. that same sound over and over. So, what, I guess, I don't use it, but... What kind of sounds do you guys use? Like, do you start with, like with a jackrabbit and go into a pup in distress, or is it a trade secret? It's like trade secret stuff. Okay. I don't know if I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna I'm use gonna them. I'm gonna get like my trade. butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you don't have to get into it. But well, there's there's different varieties between different bird sounds or uh, varmint sounds. Yeah, I'll just put that there. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> Yeah, that's and it kind of depends on the the time of the year too. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's where that's where I'm at. And if I do two sets in a day and I do certain different ones, so they're not working. Well, then the next set I might try something different and that works. Then I know that's what's going on right now at this time. So. Mhm. Yeah. Cool. So let's go back just a little bit here. You said that you started out with the longbow and now you have a compound. Are you? thinking about ever going back to traditional bows at all or have you tried it all since um i haven't tried since i was a little kid um i think it would be cool to get back into it um i just want to kill more stuff with my compound burst (laughs) i gotcha my brother's been pretty he's he kills just about anything with his um traditional bow his long bow um, he's even come out here and killed two elk now. Yeah, two elk with it, which is awesome. Yeah, that'd be badass. That's a dream. Um, yeah, one of the one of the his last elk that he killed with it, um, I filmed, and that bull came 
seven or nine yards face to face. And he's standing there with his bow, just like face to face. And he can't move. And there's a tree that was like kind of hanging down, like the big old tree hanging down, like in between them. Um, So this bull either had to go under it or come around. Well, he was coming right under it and just standing there. And after like what seemed like eternity of them facing off, you know, he finally, I think he either sensed something was wrong. So he spun. Well, then we cow called and he kind of quick stopped for just a split second enough for my brother to get an arrow in him. Holy. How close was he then? After he shot him, or when he um, shot him, um, he had to be about fifteen to twenty yards. It wasn't that far because he won't shoot over thirty yards. Um, and yeah, it ended up being like a lucky shot because when he shot, um, his one of the fletchings hit like just the tiniest branch, and um. So it like veered his arrow. Well, he ended up stabbing him in his um in the butt, but it <laughs> hit his main artery. Yeah. And literally that bull went down in less than twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my uh, my dad's told me about his first deer he ever shot with his bow way back when he was a kid, it was a doe. And he said, my grandpa wasn't the best mentor, so him and my dad were just sitting in some little trees, and a doe came in. My grandpa told him to shoot it, and then my dad drew back, and he was, it was a recurve, too. And he said he mm-hmm. was, like, shaking, buck fever, and my grandpa's like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So he let the arrow go, and somehow it went straight back and hit it in the butt. And same thing, though, it hit that artery. And yeah. That thing went, like, 30 yards and piled up, and he said he's never seen a blood trail like that ever since. So if he could... Make that exact artery every time he would do it, but <laughs> yeah, they they die fast when you hit that. Like I saw it hit, and I'm like, oh shoot! And I I think I even heard it in the camera when I was filming, and I'm like, oh, he hit far back, crap! And I'm thinking gut shot, you know, and and then I'm watching the elk. He kind of we got him to stop, and all of a sudden I'm like. He's wobbling like pretty good. No, oh, he's going down. Holy shit, he's going down. Maybe he, I, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, he went down fast and he was out, just like that. So, do you have that video up anywhere that anyone can see it, or is that kind of just a? Yeah, no, that's one? on YouTube. That's on YouTube under just my account. I think it's um, Teresa Diggins. Let me find it, but. No, I have actually a few films um, on there. I have Chad's archery hunt from last year, his bull he shot. I've got my brother's. I think it's just under DIY Montana Public Land Longbow Archery Elk Hunt. Yeah, it's a mouthful, but it's on there. Get to the point. Yep, I got Chad's... um, archery bull and then our muzzleloader hunt from this fall in colorado on there that was that's some really good footage you have to check that out okay so if people wanted to check those out they would go to Teresa diggins on youtube and then you guys got your predator hunting one and that's 
under Dusk Till Dawn on YouTube? Yep, Dusk Till Dawn Predator Hunting. Okay. And then if people wanted to find you or see your photography, where would they find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. It's just um, at T Diggins. Um, my photography is Wild Philly Photography. Um, that's on Instagram or Facebook. Um, my Wild Philly Photography is mainly um, my non-hunting stuff. So if you want like all my hunting content and all that, just go to T Diggins on Instagram. That has more of my hunting content. I try not to post like wedding pictures and hunting stuff together. So I kind of yeah. keep that separate. <laughs> Understandable. Yep. Well, if you want to see my smiling mug, I'm on the uh, wild Philly photography for my wedding. Oh yeah. For your wedding. I shot that was a couple years ago. <laughs> Two years ago, this coming summer. Two years ago, yeah, wow. Got it. I hope I'm right on that, otherwise I'm going to get slapped. I think I think it was two years ago. It wasn't this summer, so it had to be summer before. Yeah, it was during whenever COVID was hot. Yeah. So, um, on that, do you have any other cool stories or adventures or anything you'd like to share? Oh, man. Not that I can remember. I mean, there's all kinds of cool stories and adventures, but we'd be here for hours. <laughs> That's why they make a part two, right? Oh, I guess. <laughs> all right. Okay. So if people want to see your stuff, that's where they find you. Um, they want yep. uh, to hire you to take pictures for stuff. Just hire DM me you through that film. stuff. Yep. To come film your hunt, come photograph your hunt. Just reach out to me either on Wild Philly Photography or uh, Instagram or Facebook, Teresa Diggins. But yeah, that's how you find me. Cool. Or I'll be out right. in the hills somewhere. You might run into me. <laughs> Just look for the lady packing around a wood stove on her back so her husband doesn't get cold <laughs> or boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, thanks a ton for <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a ton for uh, coming on, and if you ever want to come on again, you're more than welcome. Good luck with the rest of the season, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely gonna go check out that uh, longbow video once we get settled down into bed tonight. Sounds awesome. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. Cool. All right. Well, again, thank you, and hopefully we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. You too. Bye. All right. Bye.